Welcome back to everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for this next episode of our Building a Culture of Collaboration. Today, we want to focus on why you should stop chairing team meetings. We're going to talk about why facilitation is so critically important when we're trying to build team, and we'll share a little bit about the why that shift from chairing a meeting to facilitating a meeting is so critically important. We're also then going to share five considerations when engaging in that facilitation role for teams. And then we want to be able to talk a little bit about how do we start distributing that facilitation so that other team members can take it on to build capacity. We'll give some thoughts and ideas in relation to that as well. So thank you so much for joining and looking forward to really sharing some ideas around why you should stop chairing your meetings and start facilitating. Intentional and purposeful focus on building a culture of collaboration is the secret for leaders striving to make a difference. In building a culture of collaboration, Curtis and Lorna Hewson will share simple tips, ideas, and strategies to take your organization's collaborative efforts to the next level. So let's jump in and talk about why. Why is that shift moving from chairing to facilitation is so important and maybe start off with what do we see when someone's chairing a meeting so the first thing that comes to my mind is is that person at the front of the table or the front of the room who is leading and guiding all of the conversation and and uh sharing uh important information Right. To the rest of the recipients at the table. So it does seem a little bit one way. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that is, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me around sharing is that, you know, it is that one way communication really. Is there an opportunity to be able to, for feedback or sharing? It might be minimal, but the purpose, I think, in a chaired meeting is that you're moving through it with a very defined purpose of people gathering information. So I think with that, the idea of if nobody's doing that, that's still a really good thing of chairing to ensure, are we moving through the agenda with fidelity? Are we um, ending on time? Mm -hmm. We know how incredibly important that is. But I think what we would argue is that there's a next level. There's mm -hmm. a next step, which we feel is really about facilitating teams. So we know that Amy Edmondson talks about the power of psychological safety, and we know that there's some really key things that happen when we're building psychological safety. Why does facilitation help to build that safety, which is critical when we are trying to have high-impact teams and really building out a strong, strong culture of collaboration within our organization? Well, even on the onset, thinking through that idea of what does it mean to be a facilitator and what does it mean to facilitate a conversation. Mm -hmm. And in that alone, you have to start thinking differently about how you're going to move through that meeting mm -hmm. and being really intentional about the activities or about the the ways in which we generate conversation and gather ideas and create opportunities for people to discuss or to share ideas or to mm -hmm. even uh, bounce back and forth between each other within the team. So that looks very different 
than that <laughs> setting that we kind of set up in terms of, you know, one person sharing, everyone else listening. Right. Well, and I think, too, you and I have both seen many, many times and read about uh, Google's Project Aristotle, where they were looking at what made an effective team. And if anyone's interested in learning more about that, I would go and search out on YouTube, Jar Charles Duhigg, what Google or how Google creates the perfect team. He talks a little bit more about this, but within that project, they found out that two things were impacting psychological safety within the team. First was equality and turn-taking. Are we getting to hear everybody's voice as part of the conversation? And second is, are people engaged in active listening? And so we're going to share some considerations that really attend to both of those. But I think when you're chairing a meeting, you're not necessarily paying attention to either one of those. Is everybody having voice at a equal amounts? And um, have we set really clear expectations of how we'll interact and behave with one another? And really, it comes down to that engagement piece. Yeah. When you're facilitating, you're really thinking uh, deeply about how do we engage the people around the table to arrive at the purpose that you have declared as part of that meeting. Okay, so if we could give leaders five considerations that we could look at, let's walk through. I think the first one is if you're facilitating with any degree of intentionality, being prepared ahead of time is important. And there's a number of things that go into the structure. And these are topics of past and future, building a culture of collaboration uh, podcasts here as well. But when we think of that structure, there's a number of things that we want to have in place. I think the first one then is, has it been made perfectly clear what the purpose of this meeting is? And we talk about even right on the agenda, being able to put today we're meeting for this intended purpose, or if it's a meeting structure that we have on a regular basis, clearly identifying what is it that we hope to accomplish within this. We do that in our own organization, mm -hmm. uh, Jigsaw Learning, to be able to put when we're meeting in different teams and different contexts, we make it clear right at the top when the engagement team meets, what's its purpose? When the uh, whole team meets for connection meetings, what's the purpose? Well, and the, the whole idea behind that is really getting focused yeah. and and intentional about the time that you're spending together. And huge degrees of clarity yeah. with that. So then I think some of the other structural components that it makes it hard to facilitate if you don't have them in place is norms. We've talked about that in a mm -hmm. past podcast about how having norms in place just sets the expectations. And then every time, let's pick one that we'll practice, that we'll reflect on. Um, and again, and the this, norms being co yeah. collaboratively created yeah. as well to ensure that everyone's voice is being heard well, and, within that context. And this is how leaders attend to that idea of is everyone engaged in active listening? Because through our norms, we make that just part of the expectations and then let's practice and reinforce. You always talk about the intentional design of the agenda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just really thinking about, you know, if if we know the purpose of our time together, then what are the components of that agenda that we want to ensure happens consistently? And we would even suggest that you establish a consistent uh, 
portions yeah. of your meeting, whether that's a full day, you know, what's what's the first hour of your meeting going to look like? What's the next hour? And really creates uh, safety in that consistency of I know how that meeting is going to function every time that we come together, although the content that we explore is likely to be different. And this is a topic that we're going to go in depth on in a future uh, podcast around the design of the intentional agenda. But I would suggest if the agenda is well designed, it's going to assist in the facilitation. For sure. A hundred percent. And then I think the other component when you're pre-planning is have we established roles? And again, that's going to be another topic for a future podcast as well. But when we say roles, facilitators, one of those roles. Mm -hmm. Have we said who's going to be taking our notes? Who's the recorder? Mm -hmm. Who is our timekeeper? And then in time, we might introduce other roles that help attend to maybe other challenges that we've had as a team. Maybe we find that we stray off topic a fair bit and assigning someone the role that we've seen in many organizations of the interrupter. Now it's their job to bring us back. And so it does take some of the responsibility off a facilitator when other people are attending to things that are making meeting productive, but they, they have to be established ahead of time and thought out and then in and time And uniquely practiced. designed yeah. for the team that you are working with. Yeah, really important to be able to make sure that you um, distribute the those functions, the roles, because one person doing it all just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, again, we can go into depth, but that's that first consideration uh, sorry, we'll go into depth in this in some future podcasts and in past as well. But the consideration of how have you established the structure of the meeting is probably the biggest thing when we're thinking about facilitation, trying to facilitate a really not well thought out design. Mm -hmm. is going to be really hard mm -hmm. and time consuming Oh yeah, <laughs> because without that plan or you know that prior planning in place then you come you bring people together and then you just start talking and it can go a hundred different directions absolutely and for those that are watching or listening we can reassure you from lived experience that all of these structural components will feel a little bit awkward when you're first utilizing them they'll feel a bit strange some cases even mechanical uh, for us. It may feel like it's slowing down our conversation a little bit when we start, but in time, they allow us to stop spending time on some of the logistical components mm -hmm. and really focus in our time on discussion, innovative thoughts, and, and moving to action as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, that's the first. Second consideration, I think, when facilitating is... Are we getting everyone's voice engaged? That idea of equality and turn-taking is so important. So let's share with leaders some ways on how you can ensure everyone's voice is being accessed. Yeah, so one very simple way is that the facilitator has the list of people's names um, down the side and does a simple checklist uh, as, Simple tallies. Yeah, just tally through who has had their opportunity to, to voice and people who are not coming forward readily that you request their 
their contributions. You know, when you say that, it makes me think too, in time, maybe we could make that a role where mm. it's somebody's job to be tracking. And then as a facilitator, I can turn and say, so Lorna, who have we not heard from that we should access their voice? Mm -hmm. That could be a way to just standardize it. Another another simple thing that we often use with our team is that when you request one person to give their thoughts, then that person chooses the next person until everyone has yeah. had a turn. And it just um, creates that kind of popcorn effect of, yeah. of everyone has an opportunity to be able to uh, speak their mind. Well, and I think there's two things that we've learned and intentionally done as much as we possibly can is... Do people have an opportunity to have voice as quickly as possible mm -hmm. in the conversation? So even that starting place of, okay, we're going to start and it may be connected to our meeting or maybe at our last meeting, we said, all right, everyone's going to share one thing that they're excited about for the summer, go, and then they pass it to the next person, but to try and get people talking as quick as possible. And then we've also used at the end, just share one reflection from today so that everyone has a chance to voice at at the conclusion as well, well. and that provides that bookend mm -hmm. too of you know how we start and open our meeting with everyone's voice and how do we conclude that time together to ensure that you know we we are really setting the stage for the time that we have together in that meeting you know one strategy i found as a facilitator too especially when we have people on the team that either um are somewhat hesitant to share out their thoughts or in some cases may not be able to process quickly when we say, so Lorna, what do you think? And I need a moment to just collect. Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of things that have helped have been able to say, all right, we're going to hear from Devon. And then after that, I'd love to hear from Jasmine what she's thinking. And it gives Jasmine that mm -hmm. second to, or sorry, that bit of time to collect. The other thing that I found really effective is to be able to say, all right, Everyone just take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, jot down some ideas that you have in relation to this discussion. A free write. Yeah, a free write, something <laughs> quick, so that then we can come back and say, all right, let's, uh, let's go around and just hear some of the thoughts. Colin, what is it that you have? And now Colin's had time to process, he's had time to talk. We've even seen in some meetings where it's turned to a partner to share, where that's a little less intimidating if there's many, many people in the conversation and then be able to turn back and say what's one thing you were thinking or you heard from your discussion so that even if I didn't have an idea I might be able to say well one of the things I heard that stood out was this mm -hmm. and again it still allows that for the person who sometimes a little bit hesitant to share a voice or um, we may not be asking we can bring in and in a way that's just not totally unnerving Mm -hmm. If that's not comfortable. For sure. And and another strategy is is to be able to create a pass that it's acceptable for people to pass. Mm. And uh, just because in the moment they perhaps don't have uh, their thoughts together, that they can pass and and then facilitator can say, well, we'll come back to you um, at the end of the round. Yeah. So that you still are encouraging their participation, but they can take a few more moments to be able to uh, collect their thoughts. Well, and we've also seen, especially when it may be at a point of, we want to bring a little bit of levity or joy into this conversation of, all right, everyone has 
five bingo chips in front of them. Mm -hmm. The idea is that by the end of the, you're going to throw one into the middle every time you talk. And by the end of the meeting, if we have no chips left, I'm going to bring snacks next time or mm -hmm. something yeah. that's, that, uh, again, just encourages that. How do we get everyone's voice as a facilitator into the conversation? Okay. So this one is both of our lived experience and it's our third consideration is stop multitasking when you're trying to facilitate. And we both have been guilty of. Mm. For sure. For the right reasons, thinking that, oh, we're doing everyone a favor. If we take on the responsibility, then they only have to focus on the conversation. Yeah. But it was foolhardy. Do you want to explain how it actually has a negative impact on facilitating when you're trying to do everything within the meeting? Yeah, so many times I've been in meetings where I'm serving as the facilitator, but taking notes as well, yeah, because then I, I have that opportunity to capture the things that I'm really hoping to lead. But uh, I, what I find is that I truly can't listen, not listen intently, right? because uh, trying to think of that next step or the next question that I'm going to engage people in, 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 and then also trying to record the information at the same time makes it incredibly difficult to uh, focus on the work that needs to go forward. So being able to uh, give away, <laughs> give away that note taking Which to is why someone the else are yeah. <laughs> and really truly just focus on facilitating which means uh supporting people in their next steps in their next directions depending on what activities you're engaging in but also listening carefully and reflecting on where where do we need to go next so that you're always a couple of steps ahead but it's very difficult to do that if you're managing everything around the table see and this was a huge aha for me too when we move so much of our team um, activity and interactions online yeah particularly during yeah. covid i found if i was taking notes and facilitating i actually wasn't watching for reactions and that was a huge aha when you'd see everyone on the, the Zoom screen or whatnot. And I'm able to see some body language here or some facial recognition here that I would have missed if I was taking notes. And now I really, really notice that in in-person team yeah. conversations of when I'm facilitating, I can look and see who's looking uncomfortable, who who really wants to have an opportunity to share, who are we losing within the conversation. So I think that listening is with ears and with eyes oh, as for well. Sure. Yeah. And I think another aspect of the no multitasking also goes to the rest of the team too. Yeah. And that might ref be reflected in your norms as you establish those norms, but just really helping everyone to understand that we're here for a clear purpose, which we already talked yeah. about. And in that, then we need to have everyone's full attention. And that means we're not answering emails or sending texts yeah. or, or whatever else it is that's going on, but really focusing fully on uh, what is happening within that time. Absolutely. And when you are uh, purposeful within the time that you have, then that becomes less of a problem because if you've, you know, if you've got a two hour meeting, you have uh, so many things to accomplish within that two hours 
then you need everyone's full attention to be able to accomplish what you're hoping to accomplish. Well, and I know both of us have had the frustration where I'm giving of my time for this. I look over and somebody else is not in this. Well, this is a person who's going to ask for clarity later or who's going to ask yeah. a question that maybe came up. And now that's impacting my time and everyone within, else and in the everybody room else repeating things <laughs> you know so when we think about that what we've shared as a third consideration around no multitasking we both talked about why it's so important in the listening it's actually the listening that contribute to our last two considerations yeah. so fourth consideration is as a facilitator the utilization of techniques like paraphrasing like questioning for mm -hmm. understanding i think all of those are so important so Oftentimes I find that the paraphrasing is somebody says something and I may have to say, so I think what I'm hearing is this, am I right? Or I might even turn to somebody else and be able to say, Lorna, how would you summarize what mm -hmm. just came from this? And again, that paraphrasing just allows for the person who's been talking to hear it back and to go, yeah, that's what I meant. Or no, you're not understanding what I'm saying so far, which I think is so, so important within the context of of team. Yeah, and uh, a mentor that I had early on in my leadership career had uh, really reinforced for me as we're trying to problem solve through things, rather than always being the person that comes up with the answer or always being the person who comes up with the next suggestion, rather than going down that path, then to put out the question back to the rest of the team. And that always allows for, it really invites people to uh, problem solve along with you that you even if you know or mm -hmm. even if you hope for a specific direction in uh, whatever task you're working toward you still can put the question back to surface the answers or the next steps from the team and really that that really allows us to uh, create that culture of collaboration mm -hmm. Well, and you know what, this is why this isn't a linear, when you're building that culture of collaboration, it's not a linear process, yeah. things connect, because this could also connect right back to the norms mm -hmm. component, where you say one of our norms is we are going to ask questions for clarity, not just as facilitator, but others, and then to be able to say, so today, everyone has 10 question yeah. cards in front of them, the goal is to use two. And question cards might be things like, I think what you're saying is, which is more of a statement than a question, or can you tell me more about that? Or what if we? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just their little prompts. techniques or prompts that then help us normalize the idea that if we're not at a place of vulnerability where I feel comfortable with people asking me questions, there's almost an intermediate step of, oh, no, they're asking because that was our task <laughs> for yeah. today. And then it, it just starts to get easier uh, for us. So that paraphrasing, the questioning for clarity, so, so important. And again, that's really hard to do if you're not actually listening to yeah. the conversation. <laughs> Which is our fifth consideration yeah. and really thinking about you know how do we uh, how do we move things forward especially if we are deeply concerned about uh, creating that culture of collaboration we need to listen deeply we need to take the time to understand 
what is happening within the team, yeah. but and to be able to provide the response based on what you're hearing. Right. And so that becomes really critical for the facilitator in that those next questions that they ask are really based on the fact that they have been listening deeply and yeah. carefully to the conversation that's been happening in the in the room. Absolutely. So I think when it comes to that final consideration, it's the small little tweak of also listening for action. Mm -hmm. And we both have had the experience and even led the experience of conversations where at the end of the conversation, no one's quite sure of the next step or Mm -hmm. who's doing what. So I think as a facilitator, we always want to be listening for action when someone suggests for us to be able to say, okay, is it all right if we put you down then for next meeting, if you can bring this back, are you all right with that as uh, an action, but that we're consistently creating actions. And I think this goes again with that equality of turn taking is that two people aren't leaving with everything to do, but how do we spread out and distribute as appropriate um, based on roles that people play or, or what we're doing, but we want to be able to leave with an action plan of what is everybody taking away as next mm-hmm. steps from this conversation. If you don't have action, then why did we collaborate? Well, and that goes back to the structure of having an agenda that has an action template at the end so that the recorder, who is part of those roles, <laughs> then has a place to be able to record those actions. And then even at the very end of your time together that you are reflecting on, what are the actions that we have we have named and who is taking those away and even to uh to, at what time are you going to be able to have yeah. those done like putting a date to it as well well and i think with that too then there's also the is the action clear do we yeah. need anything further that's probably something we don't do well enough like i'm mm. reflecting on our own team of being able to stop and at the end go okay is everyone really clear yeah. on next steps i know we could we could be doing that even more. The other thing uh, that comes up for me when I think about listening for action is that recorder and the facilitator throughout the whole time really listening to identify what are those next steps that we're taking. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they might not be super clear, like it might not be a really obvious action, but as a facilitator listening, being able to think, okay, that is something that we could move on. And it might even be this, you know, this is something that we're going to bring back again the next time, but really thinking about, you know, what are, what are next steps even? Absolutely. So, I think we've given some really poignant next steps, some some clear things to think about when facilitating, but we also know when we're building a culture of collaboration, when it all rests upon a single leader or a single individual, we ha- we're not necessarily building the capacity out. So we wanted to end off this episode with some thoughts around how do we start building that capacity in others and the power of distributing Mm. the the uh, facilitator role and actually any of the roles uh, to others thoughts on that yeah so I think one of the most important things uh, to be able to start with uh, even when you're beginning this work um, 
as a facilitator to put out the intention that at some point we're going to take turns in uh in facilitating or note keeping or mm -hmm. but being able to give them a period of time the rest of the team a period of time where they can watch a facilitator facilitate well <laughs> so that they have something mm -hmm. that they can uh model or um that you know kind of that anchor of yeah. uh, how do i facilitate a meeting well so mm -hmm. just being clear that over time we're going to share these roles but i want to give you time to be able to understand what that looks like and uh, being able to model for yeah. other people what does good facilitation look like so and i think too we know that this is contextual it changes in each team each organization uh, within our own team, we have someone who's really, really good at taking notes and highly skilled in that. We utilize them almost exclusively mm -hmm. within that role. And I think that's okay because we're playing to a strength set there as well. But the facilitation, I think, is important to build that up. And you mentioned the modeling and being very intentional and clear that this will be shared. But I think in the clarity, too, this comes back to some of the roles. And we've seen organizations where we start developing with the roles for instance one of the roles is facilitator and we even share uh, on our website a table display where on the front of it, it shows everybody in the room this is my job today I'm the facilitator and on the back is going to be reminders of what does it mean when you do this job what are some questions mm -hmm. that you could be asking so it's almost like a support for whoever's doing it and then it's really easy instead of saying would you like to facilitate today to be able to say Lorna is facilitating this is in front and there's some support but I think within that too is that it's just not a handover yeah. and you take it today but then as a leader how do I jump in if need be how do I help to support Lorna is going to take on the facilitation today but I'm going to have an opportunity to to help support and anyone else jump in if if mm -hmm. there's anything that we can do, I, I sometimes see that um, what we call a gradual release of responsibility not be so gradual. And then we end up in places where the organization actually takes a bit of a step back because when we're trying to build capacity, we're actually really, really um, hurting our mm -hmm. process because we haven't supported. Well, that. and another way we can uh, help to distribute that leadership is really giving people the heads up yeah. that you know the next time that we meet three weeks from now uh we would love to have these roles these people yeah. in these roles and if there's any questions that you have about serving in that role then come and talk with us and uh, we can help you along the way just so that people can get their heads around one okay if i'm the note keeper then what does that look like and yeah. what are my responsibilities and what do i need to have prepared and open and ready for the time together or facilitator of course um making sure that they really have a a comfort level in uh, performing that skill yeah absolutely and so again i think it's going to depend on context and some may move to shifting facilitation quickly and others it may take much longer time in others it may be just because of our roles within the organization that that's an appropriate assignment mm -hmm. for instance but i think again if we could come back and summarize 
the move to the facilitation of a meeting is a really important mindset to take on as an organization and one that we've found to be critical when, again, building that culture of collaboration. Mm -hmm. So we'll ask for those that have been viewing or listening, please subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel, to the podcast. Love for you to be able to uh, share some comments, reviews, reach out if you have any questions. And we're looking forward to coming back in our next episode and talking further about how we build that culture of collaboration that really has incredible impact on organizational success. Thanks so much, everyone. Take care. See you soon. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again as we continue to share tips, ideas, and strategies to help you continue to refine your culture of collaboration.